the Scarlet Knights. First win in Madison, and the first time this program has knocked off a top 25 team three straight games. The Rutgers men's basketball team keeps rewriting and rewriting the record books once again. Hello again, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast, episode number 26. I'm Brian DiNovellis. Man, Steve Peichel just keeps doing it his way. And every time we talk about Rutgers, it seems they're doing something new that they haven't done before. First time they beat three straight ranked opponents in program history. First time they ever win in Madison, Wisconsin. First time they've defeated four, count them, four Big Ten teams in program history in the same season. They keep on doing it. They keep on proving those doubters wrong time and time again. Suddenly, this team has become the team that Steve Peichel said they were going to become way back last summer. Some of us, I'm raising my hand, thought he was crazy when he said, this is my best defensive team ever. This is my best team ever. I was like, coach, come on. They're better than last year's team. They're better than that team that made it to the second round of the NCAA tournament and came within a whisker, a defensive stop of moving on to the Sweet 16. They're better than that team. Look, I don't know if they're better, but they're starting to be in the same conversation. And who would have thought that back in December following the loss to Seton Hall? Wow. Here to talk about that historic win in Wisconsin and this season as a whole is the voice of Rutgers basketball, Jerry Recco. Jerry, welcome back to the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast. Can you believe what's transpired with this program since last December? Well, first, thanks for having me. And second, I can. Um, you know, watching this team through the year and more importantly, talking to Coach Peichel on a every week basis, every other uh, game basis, yeah, I mean, you know, this is the type of team. I think Jerry Carino of the Asbury Park Press has put it really well in a recent article, and that's this is the type of team he expected. It's taken a little time for them to kind of gel, but this is this is what he envisioned when he put this team together and when he kept telling you he liked his team in, you know, October, November, even when they were losing games to Lafayette and UMass and DePaul. Um, this is what he envisioned. So, yes, I can believe we are where we're at. It's still a little bit surprising though right and i know that teams need time to develop and and gel but in this day and age you know fans there's a lot of noise out there uh there might not be a better college coach in america who says you know what i'm gonna do it my way you're gonna trust me i have a proven track record at stony brook and here at rutgers i'm gonna get these two-star guys i don't care what the recruiting rankings say and i'm gonna do it my way and watch I know what I'm doing. Uh, so, so I guess, you know, no matter what people are saying, Jerry, he, he, he backs up what he's doing. So let's give him credit. I mean, I give him all the credit in the world. I mean, I, you know, whether it's him, whether it's Steve Hain, whether it's been Brandon Knight, Carl Hobbs, you know, all these guys, how many times I've said to them, I don't know how you do this for a living. <laughs> and the reason I say that is, and you've certainly watched enough college basketball in your day, you can only put the kids in position. 
And there have been so many times, and this isn't just for Rutgers. It's not exclusive to them. I mean, it goes at any level, high school, basketball, college, even the pros. And how many times you see a play executed to perfection, except the shots missed. And it's a wide open look. And the kids did everything they were supposed to do, but then the ball doesn't go in. Mm. Coach can't do much more than that. They can't go out and shoot it for you. And yet your career and your you know, your job hinges on the release of that basketball so many times. And so I think this, this staff works as hard as anybody. Um, he gives his staff more credit than any head coach I've ever seen, gives the crowd more credit than any head coach I've ever seen, but they have a belief in what they're doing. And part of that is they built a big winner at Stony Brook. I know it's not top level division one, but it's still pretty damn good. So they've done it before and he knows how to do it. And he believes in what he's doing and he never wavers. And that to me, and as long as they're healthy, that to me is second to none, which is why they've, I hope have turned a corner, you know, three straight wins over ranked teams. It's never been done in program history. And I feel like every other week we're saying first time, this first time mm -hmm. that, and that's a credit to him because he's the one with this team that's accomplishing all those things. And here we go. Thank you for leading me in that direction, Jerry. First time they've ever won in Madison, Wisconsin. How did they do it? Wisconsin shot, I think, over 50% in the first half. And those numbers went down significantly in the second half from three and field goal percentage. So I guess I answered my own question. They did it with old-fashioned defense and making plays down the stretch, didn't they? Always do. And they also did a great job. I don't have the box score in front of me, but if I remember correctly, uh, and I know it evened itself out because Rutgers was seven for seven from the free throw line in the first half and Wisconsin was seven of 15. So they made the same amount, but Wisconsin went to the line 15 times, I believe, in the first half and only two or three times in the second half. And I think that was uh, a big part of it as well. Caleb McConnell, his defense has been off the charts. I think it has been uh, a big key as to why they've been better defensively. It's six more steals. I think it's 14 for him in the last three games. He leads the conference. You know, Geo Baker's defense is really good. Paul's gotten better. Cliff is a rim protector. He's been great. And I think when you can start games with defense, you have a chance to win anywhere. And, and they've done that. You know, it's funny with the whole road thing and, and quote unquote, how bad they've been on the road. You know, the game at DePaul has turned out to be a pretty good team. And they're an older, more mature team. And I saw it then and there. And you lose basically on a buzzer beater to them. You know, that's a road game. They probably could have won, should have won. The game at UMass, they, I'm telling you, they didn't play a bad game. The problem was UMass uncharacteristically hit a million threes and they were trading twos for threes and they wound up losing a game that they should have won. You know, there's getting Northwestern was a chance they could have won. We could be looking at a much different uh, road record had a couple of those games gone a different way and we wouldn't be having this conversation. So I think when you start with defense, you have a chance to win with defense, and that's what they're doing right now. Six steals. That, that, some people don't get that in, in yeah. a month or a season. And now Caleb McConnell is putting himself in the discussion for Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year. How about his emergence? Well, I don't even know so much that it's an emergence as much as he's just gotten a little bit better. I mean, he's been around now a few years, as you know. Um, and I don't even think he's putting himself in the conversation. If he's not the defensive player of the year, I don't know who, I mean, you want to tell me Kofi Coburn because of his size and, you know, his room protection at Illinois. Okay. I guess. But when you look at the way, you know, Caleb defends the best player on every team, every single game. And some of those guys have had for their careers, historically low outputs and performances. Then you throw into the mix, 
the fact that he leads the, the league in steals. He's doing it routinely. His hands are so quick. And he's been the catalyst defensively to all of this. I think right now he's the front runner for for the award. Um, I hope he gets it. You know, there are some people that say, well, Rutgers, they're not going to give that award. Well, they should because he has been that good and then some. And then you'll see him, you know, this week doing his thing again. So, you know, what he did at Wisconsin was awesome. What he has done every game has been awesome. And I'll tell you, it wasn't there for him offensively when the season began, and he never let that affect his defense. And that, to me, is a credit to how headstrong he is. And I'll give you a quick one because when we have – they've adopted this new thing when we're on the road with the team meals. And that is they put up the previous games of the opposition that they're playing that night or the next day. And on game day, everyone eats, they watch a little bit, they leave. Caleb McConnell is the last one in that banquet room. And he is focused and locked in on watching that game and who he's guarding and how they play. And he's always the last one to leave. And to me, it's, it's really a testament to the player he is. Yeah, players don't just become great because they have athleticism that's through the roof. You have to put in the time, whether you're whether you're Michael Jordan or LeBron James or or Caleb McConnell. And there's a guy who only scored four points, right? He took a few shots. He can score 12 points, right, Caleb? But he knows his role. These players on Rutgers know their role. They accept their role. And that, to me, is what's working. You look at this team back in December, Jerry, and, and I said this. It was Geo Baker and it was Ron Harper Jr. And who knew who else was there? And we said, they're not going to win unless Harper and Baker are at their best. Well, now we're seeing a team who they don't need Harper and Baker to be at their best every night because Mulcahy's stepping up, Amori's stepping up, uh, whoever's coming off the bench, Hyatt's stepping up, Reber's stepping up, right? I mean, it's a collection of people and it's fun to see. Yeah, and I think what you said there at the beginning is right on. I mean, they kind of know where they are. They accept their roles, uh, and you're right. I mean, you've got a guy in Caleb McConnell who can score four points and dominate one end of the floor. Paul Mulcahy, yeah, the last three or four games, his offense has been outstanding, starting with that game at Northwestern where he had a career high and he was ridiculous. But he had games prior to that that he dominated the game with his assists, his defense, his rebounding, and he just did so many other things. And didn't care if he didn't score as long as he was getting other guys involved. And, you know, Geo is also, you know, that game at Northwestern is a good example where everything turned to that game. Geo was 0 for 7. And I think he realized early stages of the second half, A, he didn't have it. And B, other guys were on. It wasn't just Paul. It was Paul and Cliff had big games that night. And he was totally cool with now being the guy that's going to pass and lead and not have to score. And so, you're right. When guys accept their roles and are unselfish and want to see other guys be better, you're going to be a better team for it. Right now, that's how they're playing. Yeah. And every now and then, you know, a guy may say, well, it's my turn to get my points. I don't see that with Rutgers. You're right. They they feed the hot hand and they accept because the main point is winning. So in your estimation, is that Wisconsin win the best one of the season? And mine it is. is do you, would you agree? Um, it's pretty good. I mean, it's up. They've had so many good. I mean, the fact that they held Iowa to what 46 points at home was stupid. Um, yeah, it's pretty impressive. The win over Purdue. I mean, you have to put that up there for sure. Uh, yes, the, the win at Wisconsin's impressive, but I don't know. I think when you beat Purdue the way you did, that was kind of cool. I don't know that anything tops that in terms of the, the best win of the season. 
But um, I'll say this, the win at Wisconsin might have been the most important because after you take those back-to-back home wins over ranked opponents, now it's all right, but can they do it on the road? Comes back to that question and that conversation we were having a few minutes ago. And with an emphatic, yes, we can. Uh, and now you have an Illinois team coming in. I mean, my goodness, they ever beat Illinois now on Wednesday. I mean, that that building's going to explode Wednesday as it is. If they ever won this game, they are answering question after question after question and soaring up the charts. Yeah, I mean, I don't look at every schedule in the country, but to have to play five straight games against ranked opponents, not just ranked, I'm talking, you know, really good, 13 Michigan State, check, 16 Ohio State, check, 14 Wisconsin, check. Uh, in the latest AP poll, Illinois is up to 12, Purdue's five. I mean, show me yeah. a tougher five-game stretch in the country. Rutgers has put themselves – Rutgers fans are still amazed, right? It's like, well, what do we have to do to get our net up? Unfortunately, the losses to Lafayette and UMass and Nebraska have hurt them. Their net, according to the latest ranking, I believe they're up to – they're up to 81 in the latest net ranking. So – if you can beat Illinois and somehow beat Purdue, I mean, wow. I mean, this team, nobody wants to play this team right now, Jerry. That's my point. Even though Illinois beat them handily at Illinois, who's to say they can't win again when they're at home? Yeah, the one thing, and I listen, I know there's 300 and something Division One teams, and I get it. I, You know, it's hard to uh, figure out where teams should be. But the other thing I would say is, at some point, common sense has to come into play, too. And I think... Yes, the, the losses that you referenced, you lose at home to Lafayette. The fact that this team has beaten Purdue, won at Wisconsin, beaten Michigan State by 21, oh, by the way, uh, won at Maryland. I mean, they've got some really good wins to their credit. How they ever lost to Lafayette, I have no idea. I don't even think they know, but I think it goes back to the conversation that they get better as the season goes on. And so then I come back to common sense. I understand you're looking at the season in totality. But where are they now and who, what have they done in the last couple of weeks? And I just think it's such a like they are. I believe they are now fifth in the Big Ten uh, in the standings, fifth in the Big Ten. How that's not a tournament team, I have no idea on any level. I don't I, I get who they lost to in November. Great. I know who they're beating, though, in February and the tournaments in March. That to me, the eye test would tell yeah. me a lot more than just looking at things on paper personally, but that's me. You, you, no, you said it right there. I was going to say it, the eye test. They used to, the, the metrics that they used to look at were, you know, how did they do in the last 10 games? Uh, trust me, you ask Tom Izzo, you ask Holtzman, you ask any of these coaches out there, nobody wants to play Rutgers right now. So let's look at this matchup and, and say, Jerry, you know Illinois is not going to come in overconfident. You know, Illinois knows what Rutgers has been doing. So now the problem is Rutgers has to keep doing it and doing it against a team who might be the best team in the big 10. Uh, so how do you like this matchup second time around against Illinois? Well, I mean, they're really good. I, there's no, but I, I mean, I feel like I also say this against everybody they're playing in this conference recently. Um, you know, the, the, the key guy is, the guy we talked about, the big guy in the middle, Kofi Coburn, is is a human being. That's <laughs> not fair. I mean, I you know when we when we play out there, I get to sit courtside right next to the Rutgers bench, and I watch him warm up right in front of me. And sometimes I'm standing on the court, and he's three feet from me, and it's emasculating because he is a giant human being. He's physically dominant. 
Um, he's skilled too. Oh, by the way, you know, Purdue's got a kid by the name of Zach Eady. He's seven foot five. He's a good player. I'm not taking anything away from him, but he doesn't have the skill that Kofi Coburn has. And he makes it a really tough matchup. And I really do believe the game Wednesday night will hinge on the way the game is officiated because he's such a physical presence. When he gets the ball down deep in the post, he is going to initiate contact. And if they're not going to let Cliff bang with him a little bit, then it's going to be a tough night because all of a sudden you're going to need Dean Reber, who's been awesome. But it's a that's a tough one to handle. And if he's got to go extended minutes, um, it's going to be difficult. So, you know, the matchup's tough for anybody when they play Kofi Coburn. But I do think, again, if the game is officiated the way it's been and they let them play a little bit, I think at home specifically, now that they've already played out there and lost, I think they got a great shot. And why the hell not? They have been, I think they are 12 and two at home or 11 and two, I forget, but 12 and two at home, uh, only the two losses. They've been outstanding. And I say, let's keep it rolling. I Listen, that place, I saw Pat Hobbs on social media just basically say, you know, be ready to be out of your fa- uh, out of the, out of your seat at tip off during the game, during commercial breaks, when you come back and just let's do it because it's going to be some atmosphere there on Wednesday night. And there's something about this team at home now that they've proven they can win on the road. There's just something about that rat crowd, something about these other teams that come in there. We've seen it all year, Jerry. I don't know how Maryland came in there. And one at the rack. I don't. But Maryland, but Maryland, see, it's funny though, because if you watch, I don't know if you saw Maryland play Purdue yesterday. I did. Like Maryland's a good team. That Fats Russell is one hell of a little player. Dante Scott is terrific. Uh Hart is really good. And they gave Purdue everything they could handle. To where, to be quite honest, they should have won the game. Um, Maryland has had a weird season because you had Turgeon step down right before the year. Danny Manning steps up to coach them. They had an assistant coach get arrested um, uh, for, I think it was solicitation of a prostitute or something like that back in, in December. Like they've had a lot of turmoil within that program. But at the end of the day, that's a good team that just has had some issues that they've had to deal with. So they also shot the lights. Sorry, Jerry. They also shot the lights out against Rutgers from three in that game. Which is another equalizer when things aren't going well for you. If you come out and you shoot it well from deep, you can beat anybody anytime. How many times do you see a 15 beat a two now because they're hitting from beyond the arc? So, um, but I do think, you know, when you look at them at home, they've just been really good. I'll tell you this the game, the Ohio State game a couple of games ago, the crowd was 100% responsible for a critical shot clock violation because the Buckeyes lost complete sight of the clock couldn't hear Chris Holtman screaming at them. And it was a huge turnover at the time as Rutgers was in the midst of that 10-0 run to end the game. So it's all part of it. And it's all part of the atmosphere, the travel, your home, they're on the road. So yeah, I'm expecting another big one tomorrow night or Wednesday night. No doubt. Listen, no way did I expect us to be here at this point. It's fun. Uh, It feels like every game has that March feel. And, And it's exciting. It's exciting for New Jersey. And it's exciting to see where Rutgers goes. Uh, do you get a sense from this team, Jerry, and talking with the players that um, they still are grounded in spite of all this success recently? They really are. Um, you know, part of it is, and this is where I think November and December games can help you when you are reminded that you lost to Lafayette at home, when you get reminded that you went to UMass and lost. I think it shows you and reminds you how quick things can flip. Um, it's also a very mature group. You know, Geo Baker, I believe when he announced he was coming back for this fifth year, 
I think he tweeted out something along the lines of, you know, more work to be done or unfinished business or something like that. Yeah, yeah. He is about, I mean, he's such a mature kid. It's phenomenal. And that's the leader right there. Ron Harper Jr. is a mature player. I think they've all got that, that, that sense of, you know, we're not done. We haven't done anything yet. Yeah, these have been some good wins, but the goal is still March. And, you know, first and foremost, making a run of the Big Ten tournament. They've proven they can play with anybody. Go win the damn tournament. And then the March, <laughs> March Madness, you get in the NCAA tournament. We saw them last year win a game. Should have been two. All of a sudden, you find yourselves in the Sweet 16. So I think they believe there's a lot in front of them, and they just have to stay grounded. And right now, I think they've got the group to do that. Jerry, that, that's an excellent point. We're, we're so caught up in, hey, get to 12 wins in the Big Ten, and then you're in the discussion. Well, shoot, you just said it. Georgetown was the unlikely winner of the Big East last year, and, and that was the way they got into the tournament. You're right. Once the Big Ten tournament starts, and I know we can get ahead of ourselves, go win the damn thing. And yeah. who's hotter than Rutgers right now? Yeah, I mean, think of it this way. We are, it's February, what's today? February 14th as we record this. And right now they are, a, I think it's a win away from being in the conversation to having the double buy for the Big Ten tournament and not starting till Friday. I mean, think about, I mean, that's crazy right. because of where they've come from and how they've built this thing slowly up, up, up. And it's a very real possibility. I'm not saying they're going to get there, but they are no longer the team that always is playing on Wednesday, you know, that early game Wednesday. You pretty much now know they're good enough that they're already going to start on Thursday. And like I say, right now, if things break their way and they win a few more games, they could be not starting till Friday, which is phenomenal. Shows It shows a lot of progress. That's for darn sure. And just think, after that loss against Seton Hall, fans on Twitter, we know how they are, Jerry. They wanted Steve Peichel fired. <laughs> so, I, I don't know who those people could actually have their accounts deactivated. <laughs> uh, they don't deserve on, to be on Twitter. You're 100% right. Jerry Recco, thanks so much. You do a fantastic job on WFAN and as play-by-play -play announcer for Rutgers men's basketball. We'll be listening, and thanks for coming on the podcast. Anytime. I really appreciate it. Jerry Recco, the voice of Rutgers men's basketball, along with Austin Johnson. This team has Rutgers fans in a frenzy. I can't wait to be in that building Wednesday night. I think it's going to be the best, the loudest crowd of the season when they take on Illinois. That is a team that beat, that spanked, that embarrassed, embarrassed Rutgers 86 to 51 that game was never close this game I have a strange feeling the result this time is going to be a lot different than it was before and we didn't even talk about the other players who have emerged as x-factors for Rutgers how about Paul Mulcahy how about Cliff Amore those two players are candidates for most improved players in the Big Ten where would Rutgers be without Cliff Amore? 11 and a half points, eight rebounds a game. Where would they be without Paul Mulcahy? He was a player who appeared to lack confidence back in December. He was a player who didn't even attempt a field goal against Seton Hall. And here he is, the leading assist person in the Big Ten at over five assists per game. He's averaging 5.4 assists per game. That leads the Big Ten. Paul Mulcahy has become one of the premier point guards, if not the best point guard in the Big Ten. 
Do you think Steve Peichel knows how to recruit? Yeah, I think so. And now Rutgers is facing another ranked team in Illinois. We'll see if they can do it again. We'll see if they can do the unthinkable and beat four straight ranked teams. That's not the only big game on Wednesday in the Garden State. Seton Hall will also go to UConn and see if they can win a road game against a ranked team once again. It hasn't happened for them since they beat Michigan earlier this year. We'll see if they can beat Danny Hurley's team and sweep the season series from the Huskies. Not going to be easy. What a Wednesday it's going to be here in the Garden State. We'll have a recap for you on the next episode of the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast. Enjoy the games, everyone. I'm Brian DeNovellis. So long.